0: This past Wednesday was Earth Day, and Pope Francis had one message for all of us. Do not exploit the planet. Seems pretty clear. Speaking at the end of this week's general audience, the Pope said, I exhort everyone to see the world through the eyes of God, the Creator. The Earth is an environment to be safeguarded, a garden to be cultivated. He continued, The relationship of mankind with nature must not be conducted with greed or manipulation and exploitation but it must conserve the divine harmony that exists between creatures and creation within the logic of respect and care so it can be put to the service of our brothers and sisters also of future generations Now, nothing he said is a surprise in fact the church and in particular pope benedict spoke often about the environment the ecology and creation So today I am thinking about all creation, this world that God sent His only Son to save, this creation that is groaning to be known, not just animals and plants, but all of creation, the human as well as the natural ecology. We are all God's creation, and we have all been redeemed by Jesus Christ. In the words of Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger when he was prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, we can win the future only if we do not lose creation. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, I'm Deacon Pedro, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. Today's show is co-sponsored by the Institute of Pastoral Studies at Loyola University. You can learn more at luc.edu. Now, first off, we have a winner. Our winner is Dolores Barbis. Dolores Barbis, you've won a copy of Walls new album Always and Everywhere that we featured on this program 2 weeks ago. Congratulations. Please contact us as soon as you can so we can get you your prize. And for the rest of you remember if you want to enter our weekly draw, just go to saltandlighttv.org/radio and enter your name and email address for a chance to win. You can also send me comments via Facebook or Twitter or send us a direct voice message through this really cool application we now have on our website. Go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio to check it out. You can send me a personal message and I will personally enter you into our weekly draw. Today in about 15 minutes after our news and Saint of the Week, we have Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary. He's going to be here to tell us All about what he's learned from taking acting lessons. That should be interesting. And in our second half hour, I'm very happy to be welcoming Father Robert Barron to our program. Most of you will know Father Barron from his Word on Fire ministry or from the Catholicism series. He now has a new book, Seeds of the Word, Finding God in the Culture. And so he's going to be with us to tell us what that's all about. And that's in about half an hour. And after that, we're going to be chatting with three of the Leahy sisters, Denise, Maria, and Erin. Leahy is an award-winning Canadian group of siblings. Uh, There are 11 of them. When I met them, nine of them were part of the group. Now they have a new project called The Leahys in Song, featuring five of the sisters and one of the brothers. And in fact, they will be in Toronto's Kerner Hall on Tuesday, April 28th with the Leahys in song as a benefit for salt and light so if you're around you should come and join us to hear what you can expect at that concert here's a beautiful song by Denise Leahy calling all people to life That was Denise Leahy with Calling All People to Life, and we're going to be speaking with Denise, Maria, and Aaron Leahy in our second half hour. But now, here is Stefan with our news, and there's big news because the Pope is going to a little island in the Caribbean.
1: The Pope is going to Cuba. Yes. Uh, we found out Wednesday via the Holy See Press Office that Pope Francis uh, isn't gonna, is not going to indeed follow in the footsteps of his two immediate predecessors, Yes, he's going to travel to Cuba, but perhaps the most interesting part of this announcement is when he's going yes he's going to go immediately before he flies to the united states in september the pope being in cuba is extremely important mm-hmm. given the recent developments between uh the united states and cuba and the unique role that francis and the holy see played in thawing the relations that have been at least half a right. century in the making especially yeah. in the surrounding the cold war
0: absolutely so it is good news um I was going to ask you, I know you, you maybe don't have a lot of information, but I know he's also con- confirmed to be going to three Latin American countries later in the summer.
1: Yes, he's going to be going to Bolivia, to Paraguay, and to Ecuador.
0: Excellent. So that's going to be exciting. I'm um, looking forward to that, and I'm sure we'll have more information as, we, as, as, as that news evolves. So the Holy Father will be going to Cuba, and then he's going to the United States in September. Um, United States, uh, one of our good friends here at Salt and Light, Cardinal Francis George, from Chicago,
1: yes, one of the died, true giants of the American Church has died. Cardinal Francis George, uh, he led the Archdiocese in Chicago for almost two decades mm. and really transformed that diocese. Uh, today, uh, he was involved in two conclaves that elected both uh, Benedict the Sixteenth and Francis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cardinal George was highly respected uh, by his peers, by fellow bishops. Uh, just a universally loved figure in the Church in the U.S.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's uh, sad, but he was he was sick and
1: yes, he had multiple bouts yeah. of cancer. Yes, uh, was admitted to palliative care a couple weeks ago. He died uh, in his residence in, in some pain, but he, he he did die in in the presence of uh, of friends and family. Mm-hmm. I know
0: he'll be missed. Um, and can we get through a week without speaking about the Middle East or Christians or
1: ISIS? Unfortunately, we can't. Uh, it appears that ISIS in Libya has executed another 30 Christians. These Christians uh, coming from Ethiopia. Uh, they were told that uh, they had to pay a tax or face death. And these Christians, much like uh, the Christians a few uh, mm-hmm. weeks back, were paraded onto a beach. A uh, video went out uh, showing right. their executions uh, in what is, again, a really, really dangerous sad and unfortunate situation for Christians in that part of the mm-hmm.
0: world. A big reminder that what we have we take for granted about having freedom of religion and being able to to worship and 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 to say that we're Christians there are Christians who are being persecuted, literally persecuted, Um, and not just in the Middle East because there was an incident in France.
1: Yes. uh, Very strange story coming out of France. Uh, French police arrested a 24-year-old Algerian computer science student uh, who accidentally shot himself. Uh, Upon arresting him, they discovered that he had weapons and plans to attack two churches in France. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thankfully, the situation was... Diffused before it got out of control. Right. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, the man in question is alleged to have killed uh, a woman uh, to gain use of her vehicle uh, in in France. But mm-hmm. uh, but the larger attacks that were that were planned by this man, uh, who eventually planned to travel to Syria, were thankfully thwarted. Yes.
0: And do you know they were Catholic churches or just Christian churches? You're not sure. It, they didn't
1: indicate specifically. They didn't specifically. indicate
0: specifically. But I, either way, churches are Christian, whether they're Catholic or not. So. Uh, again, I'm, I'm sure that we'll continue hearing these stories again and again. Thank you, Stefan. You can watch Stefan on his uh, daily update perspectives Monday through Thursdays on Salt and Light Television, also online at saltandlighttv.org, and now also on Roku. Hey,
2: I'm Tori Harris, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Petro.
0: I'm Deacon Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up, what's good in Hollywood with Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary. And now it's time for Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Andrew, welcome back to the
2: program. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. How are you? I'm very good, Happy Thank you. Easter. Again, yes, happy Easter We can still Easter say season. happy Easter. People don't realize that. It's 50 days of glory. Absolutely. So who, do we have
0: a, an Easter saint or who's our saint today?
2: Listen, they're all Easter saints, okay? Yes. Uh, they fill us with joy and 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 hope from the resurrection. Yes. So you know they're rejoicing with God. So we can call them all Easter saints. Um, we're gonna look at Saint Catherine of Siena. Oh, I like her. Uh, a beautiful saint in the church who has a history that is rich and profound, and her story never gets old. And her feast day is coming up, so yeah. why not look at her again? Okay. Um, this has to be record breaking because I've never heard of this. She is the twenty third child. In a yes. family. She was the 23rd child of Jacopo and Lapa Benincasa. Yeah. And um, she had a fairly interesting upbringing. She was known as smart, very polite, um, and yet a very religious person. Um, Catherine actually disappointed her mom by cutting off her hair as a sign of protest against being overly encouraged to, I guess, improve, like improve her looks mm-hmm. in order to attract a husband. Her father then turned around and ordered her to be left in peace, and she was given a room of her own where she could pray. She could, you know, get in touch with God and meditate. We know of her story that she entered the Dominican Third Order, uh, which is interesting, at the age of 18, and she spent the next three or four years or so in quiet prayer, seclusion, and austerity. So gradually, a group of followers gathered around her, a lot of men and women, uh, various priests and religious people, And an active public ministry grew out of, you know, her contemplative ministry. In her letters, um, mostly for spiritual instruction and, you know, encouraging of those who are around her, um, her letters began to take more and more note of public affairs, of those things around her. So opposition and slander resulted from her mixing fearlessly with the world around her. And... um, she spoke very hard sometimes very candid very authoritarian and you can tell that she was a woman that was completely committed to the ministry and the life of jesus yes she was cleared um of all charges at the dominican general chapter of 1374 um her public influence reached really really great heights because of her holiness um because of you know her membership again in the dominican third order and she eventually made a deep impression on the Pope. She worked tireless, tirelessly for the Crusade against the Turks and for peace between um, Florence and the Pope. In 1378, uh, we know that was the year that the Great Schism began, mm-hmm. um, which you know was a splitting of the allegiance of Christendom between two, then three, Popes, and putting even some saints on opposing sides. Catherine spent the last two years of her life in Rome, Okay, at the heart of the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Um, she spent the last two years of her life in prayer and pleaded on behalf of the cause of Urban the Sixth, and you know, she spent the rest of her life really praying for the unity of the Church. She offered herself, in turn, really as a victim for the Church in its agony. Those were very, very hard times for the Church back then in the day, and she wanted to do everything that she could to make sure that you know it was united um, in the end. She died surrounded by her children and really was canonized in 1461. So Catherine has a huge, huge place in, you know, the life of everyday Catholics today. She ranks very, very high amongst the spiritual writers and mystics of our church. In 1939, um, Catherine of Siena and Francesco of Assisi were declared co-patrons of the country of? Italy. Thank you. And Paul VI named her and Teresa of Avila doctors of the Church, yes. and that happened in the year 1970. Mm-hmm. So we celebrate our feast day on uh, Wednesday, April the 29th. It's this coming week.
0: That's good. So what's
2: Saint- to celebrate this week? Eh? not only do we celebrate the Salt and Light uh, benefit concert, but we also yes. celebrate Saint Catherine of Siena. That's right. So it's um, cause it to celebrate even more. And plus, again, it's Easter. Absolutely.
0: So, so, St. Catherine of Siena, Feast Day, April 29th. Thank you. And since you mentioned the benefit concert, I'm actually uh, later on the program, we're ha- airing a conversation with Maria, Denise, and Aaron Leahy. I spoke with them earlier oh, that this week. Oh, that's great. So, uh, I'm, will I see you at the concert, Andrew, or are you going to be somewhere I, else? I, I, I hope
2: so. It's looking unlikely at this uh. point. But, uh, you well, know, it's gonna be a good bring one. an energy and a love. And I know, hey, trust me, it's going to be a great concert. It's going to be a great Actually, concert. Actually, very quickly, our associate pastor here is Scottish, and he said, hey, the ladies, I love that kind of music. So oh, good, nice so I hope you can come. Feel to it, and, uh, you know, if you love Celtic music, um, if you want to sit back and, 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 and enjoy Celtic music, the Benefit concert is the place to be. Absolutely. Thank you for that plug in. And it supports Salt Light Radio. Hello? It's yes. no-brainer.
0: All right, Andrew Santos, our, our fearless supporter and our saint expert, he's also the youth minister at St. Justin Martyr Parish in Markham, Ontario.
2: Hi, this is Matthew, this is Michael Paul Leon,
3: and we are WAL. You are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro.
0: You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour, available online and on your favorite Catholic radio stations across the United States, and also now on Roku. Find out how you can get Salt and Light on your Roku at saltandlighttv.org slash Roku. And now it's time for What's good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary Mark Matthews. Mark, welcome back Hello, to the Pedro. program.
4: Thank you as always.
0: As always, Mark, who's been doing some acting lessons.
4: I,
3: I, yes, believe it or not. I, who is normally immersed in integrals and bits and bytes, have been acting, and I want to talk about it a bit today.
0: Absolutely, but the, there's a new film that you wanted to mention at as, uh, as first, right? Uh,
3: yes. So Some of our listeners might remember that I was asking people to pray for a movie called Little Boy, which is being put out by Mednoya Pictures, and yes. the same ones who did Bella. So hopefully all your praying has paid off, and it's coming out this weekend, nice. this April 24th. So go check
0: it out. Okay, so that's probably in the states coming out because I don't think it's coming out on Friday, but it's it's a it's a general release. It actually is in the theaters. It, it's it's a,
3: gen- a general wide release. This
0: okay, weekend. so then the yes. way the way to do this is everybody go watch it this weekend and see if we can keep it keep it out there for another weekend. How's that? Yes. Yeah, it, it's right. hard
3: to believe. It, it's for real.
0: Okay. Hard. Very good, little boy. So hopefully that film has good acting, but it doesn't have Mark Matthews as an actor.
3: <laughs> no, you know I tried out and they just, <laughs> I know they wouldn't they wouldn't accept me. So, um, but yeah, actually, so this is something uh, a little bit interesting that I kind of discovered about myself. I'm, I come from a very hardcore kind of science and math background. Um, But a number of years ago, uh, some of my coworkers were taking improv, and I kind of thought, wow, that sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. And I tried it out, and I've gotten hooked on it. I really, really enjoy improv.
4: Um,
3: And I think, you know what, it teaches an incredible number of life lessons, and I want to talk about some of those things. And I know you can relate, too, because you come from an acting background as well, too.
0: Absolutely, and everybody loves improv class. So for people who have no idea what improv, improvisation, what is that?
3: It basically is where you're doing a scene without a script, making it up as you go along. Okay. And that sounds terrifying, (laughs) um, but it's actually much easier than it sounds. And you basically have to learn just a couple rules. Yes. And these rules are what make it much easier, and they're actually the key to some of these life lessons. So the first one is listen Mm -hmm. you have to listen to what other people are saying on the stage you know if i say hey let's go get ice cream and the other guy's like the sky is blue it's kind of like what the audience just becomes confused right um you have to listen to what they're saying but what you discover is how horrible of a listener we usually are yeah um we very often we think we know what someone's going to say so we don't pay attention to it we don't process lot of games and exercises to help you learn to listen to people. Things like looking at them when they're speaking at you. Something as simple as that. Um, And it incredibly helps a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other Mm-hmm. Um, it teaches a ton of other lessons, too. You have to understand motivation, what motivates people, why do they do something. You have mm-hmm. to think about putting yourself in their shoes. Um, again, a very valuable lesson uh, when it comes to, say, maybe disagreements or just life in general. Um, we have to be very aware of our emotions. You know, some of us, you know, mainly men, uh, we sometimes we don't think we have emotions. Right. But <laughs> we have to be aware of them. I have discovered that come from doing acting, and in particular, improv acting.
0: Yes, no, I love this, and I can't agree more. In fact, I went for many, many years applying for all kinds of jobs, and my only qualification was I have a theater degree, and theater has taught me this and that and problem solving and critical thinking and conflict resolution and all all those great transferable skills that Uh you learn, and a lot of it you learn in improv class. Because, yeah. um, but I also could not agree more with with how these are these are life lessons in terms of our relationship with God, how we are to listen, how we, and particularly the abandonment. You know, let let God control. Yeah. So that we're, I'm not controlling the scene. God's controlling yep. the scene, and we and we go with whatever God, whatever God yep. brings up in the scene. We we just go with that.
3: Exactly. Yeah, and I I was just so thrilled when I learned some of these things. I'm like, oh, there's so many life lessons in acting. So it truly belongs in a liberal arts degree, and it de- deserves a great amount of our respect.
0: Absolutely. And I, and I will throw another one in there. I think in every seminary, they should be four years of acting, improv, uh, everything.
3: I, I actually agree with that, too. You, you'd be such a better speaker.
0: Absolutely. Well, so that's good. So what's good in Hollywood means that a lot of people are doing improv lessons. How's that?
3: Yes. Perfect. Yes, that's a very good thing happening in Hollywood right now.
0: There you have it. Thank you, Mark. What's good in Hollywood with Mark Matthews, our undercover Hollywood missionary. Follow him at HU Missionary. coming up in our second half hour finding the seeds of the word in popular culture with father robert Barron, and the Leahys in song so don't go anywhere Change yourself and the world around you with a graduate degree from Loyola's Institute of Pastoral Studies. Loyola's degree programs will give you the skills you need to serve others in the information age. Our brand new digital communication concentration combines Loyola's Jesuit values with the skills to use social media and other digital platforms for outreach and evangelization. To learn more about Loyola's graduate programs and other courses we offer, head to luc.edu/ips. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, part two. I'm Deacon Pedro. What can Superman the movie, Gran Torino, or a film like The Hobbit teach us about the figure of Jesus? Well, since St. Paul, Christians have been finding the seeds of the Word in culture and using these to lead people to the gospel. We can learn from this. And to help us, Father Robert Barron of Word on Fire Ministries has just published a book, Seeds of the Word. Finding God in the Culture, and to tell us all about it, I am now joined by Father Robert Barron. Father Barron, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour.
5: Good to be on with you. Thanks for having
0: yeah, me. Yeah, good to have you. Good to talk to you again. So, why why did you write this book? Why do we need this book?
5: Well, I think, as you suggested, there going back to Paul and the Areopagus. Um, yes. Those that proclaim the gospel have always been interested in finding points of contact with the culture. It's one thing to come in and just announce the gospel. Uh, directly, baldly. But that often doesn't have much of an impact.
4: Mm -hmm. But when you
5: can find points of contact within the culture and say, hey, you know, I've noticed this about you, and the message I'm bringing is actually in line with that, or it completes that, or it fulfills it, that's a much more effective evangelical strategy. So, um, you know, Cardinal George used to say, you can't evangelize a culture you don't love. Right. If you're simply at war with a culture, you're not going to evangelize it. Mm-hmm. So this is a way of expressing love for the culture, is to say, I can find seeds of the Word. And that's, as you say, the patristic idea, the semina verbi. Yes. The seeds of the Word that, that are every place. And I can water those seeds, if you want, and let them grow into the faith.
0: Now, is this as simple as just being an effective communicator and finding something no. that you can... No?
5: No, because you I think the difference is, You need someone who has trained eyes and a trained mind, okay? and who knows what to look for. Uh I think someone who's really immersed in the Catholic tradition can say, oh, now I recognize the patterns. There's an analogous pattern in the culture, but see, I know that because I know the great pattern of revelation. So I would say to do this work effectively, you've got to have a really good immersion in the great tradition, and then you can begin to see analogies, and that's easier
0: okay, so and and is it the same as the the idea of inculturation in that sense that if we to to be able to evangelize a, a people that is from a different culture, we need to inculturate the mm-hmm. gospel message in that particular tradition or culture? yeah,
5: I'd say it's one face of it. it's one aspect of inculturation
0: yeah.
5: uh, it's um not so much the adaptation of the gospel to a culture, it's finding elements in a culture that are redolent of the gospel that speak of the gospel and provide therefore a basis for evangelization and you're suggesting correctly that that's exactly how a lot of the great evangelists over the centuries have, have acted
4: yeah from yeah.
5: paul on but come up now through the francis Xavier's and the Matteo ricci's and people like that yes that was their strategy mm-hmm. um think of um mateo ricci you know operating within chinese society mm-hmm. and Uh, Moving into the space of the intellectual leadership of that culture, looking all the time for analogies and points of contact, Uh, that's the same strategy we can use today.
0: Right now, I, 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 it's it's hard for me to imagine. I'm sure it's been always this way because every every people at every time have had a culture. But it's easy for us now to think of popular culture in terms of movies, uh, you know, the, what's on the Twitter feeds, uh, all the irrelevant things or people would say are re- irrelevant or or useless. But those are the things that you're talking about that we need to be. Uh, relating to movies, to music, to television shows, to what's happening in current affairs and politics, all those things that are that people are talking about.
5: Absolutely. And if you're an evangelist, you have to do two things. I mean, You have to understand and articulate well the great revelation tradition, and you have to know the culture you're trying to address. Right. And if you're one or the other, you're going to fail. And that's if you want the first one's kind of a conservative extreme. The other one's a liberal extreme. Yeah. If you simply do the gospel without attending to the culture, or you simply do the culture without attending to the gospel, you've got two different forms of reductionism. Yeah. And neither one makes possible real evangelization. So it's a it's a, a blending of horizons to use that technical language between the gospel and culture. Um, but looking for analogies, I always go back to picasso someone asked picasso what's the key to your artistic you know genius or your vision and he said i've got a knack for visual analogies Mm -hmm. it's a very very wise thing you know that uh that line of a guitar reminds me of the curve in in a woman's body Uh or that the way the eyes are on that person remind me of you know something in nature and a lot of his Paintings exploited those analogies, those points of contact, those family resemblances. That's what I'm trying to do in a book like this, is to watch a movie and say, maybe that the director wasn't even interested in Christianity, but there's a lot of analogies, visual, intellectual, and so on, between that movie and and Christianity. And it will help people understand the prime analog of Revelation.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And and I and I would think that that Christianity is so. I mean, even though we some people might say that we live in a society that is antagonistic to Christianity, for example. But the 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 the, the Christianity is so steeped into our culture anyway yep. that all those elements yep. are there, w- whether they're fragmented or not. But they're there.
5: No, that's quite right. And that goes back to an image of, from a great teacher of mine, Robert Sokolowski, who said, around the time of let's say the Enlightenment and the Reformation, yeah, the integrated Catholic vision kind of exploded it blew up
4: uh-huh. but the
5: pieces as you say correctly often distorted but the pieces can be found everywhere it's like the thing blew up and then the, the fragments right. landed so if we can recognize them and not just condemn it say oh what a terrible culture say no actually, that culture is filled with the fragments of a once integrated christianity yeah and i'm trying to put that back together or think of like a, a novel, let's say you have this big book, a big novel, like The Lord of the Rings or something, and uh-huh. the pages have all just kind of blown apart and they've flown all over the place and landed here and there. And I pick up a, a fragment of Lord of the Rings and say, "Boy, it doesn't make a lot of sense and what, is, what story is this part of? But yet it intrigues me enough to look for more of that story. Mm-hmm. And, and the art of trying to piece back together again this now disparate, um, these now disparate pages that's kind of what I'm trying to do in this book.
4: Yeah,
0: I I love that image of of the fragmented message. Um, can you give us yeah. an example? Maybe pick pick a film that that you might maybe refer to in the book, and and give us an example of how this kind of how how this can work.
5: Yeah, I think you mentioned the outset, uh, Grand Torino yes. um uh, Clint Eastwood's movie, which I went into. I mean, I like Clint Eastwood's movies, and went into just interested in this film about this you know grumpy yeah. old guy, and no idea that it would be filled with what I think is best analogy for redemption uh-huh. in modern film.
0: Uh-huh.
5: So, you know, there's a lot of Christ figures in contemporary film. Like yes. E.T. to... Uh, Harry uh, Potter. Andy Dufresne. Yes. Yeah, Dufresne. Yeah, there's all kinds of Christ figures. But this very surprising one is Walt Kowalski, who's the main character of that movie. Yeah. And who engages, I mean, we can't go to all the details, but engages in a great act of self-sacrificing redemptive love, uh-huh. which grants freedom... To this young kid and deals with the sin that was oppressing him at the mm-hmm. same time and you see with extraordinary clarity exactly how the church fathers articulated the cross how the cross both disempowered the evil powers and freed those who were in his grip by an act of self-emptying love
4: mm-hmm. and I
5: don't know a better analogy for it than that movie
0: yeah the, that's a good example. Now, one of the things that you do in the book is that you'll point out the analogy or or, or the uh, teaching, if I can call it that. But mm-hmm. you also will point out where maybe the analogy falls short or where the, the like I'm thinking of your 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 explanation of Eat, Pray, Love, and oh, and how yes, you yes. wish how you wish that she had made different choices because that's really not the Catholic message.
5: Yeah, you know, because the culture is a is a wide variety of different things, and yes, there are analogies to Christianity, and there's also deep distortions within it. So we would say the culture is fallen because it's made up of all kinds of fallen people. Yes. And like, Ypres loves a good example because there's a moment in the beginning of that movie when the character played by Julie Roberts is in deep distress uh-huh. and she utters a really beautiful prayer, very simple, with tears, a simple prayer of help me, you know? Yes. But the path that she undertakes that movie unfolds, I think, is, is a much less than helpful one. Right. And ends up with a sort of worship of the self. Yeah. It ends up with a affirmation of the self as it is, you know? Mm-hmm. So I certainly scored that movie as a <laughs> uh, distortion of the Christian thing. Right. So I'm not afraid to do that, and I think evangelists and apologists do that too. Right, You find the points of contact, and you say... No, this part of the culture is really at odds with uh, Christianity.
0: Right, that's important. Now, not, uh, just to make it clear to our, our listeners, you're not only speaking up movies, you also talk about yeah. books and politics and even current yeah. events, so you're using the same type of idea, examples. Um, how is someone like, like, like me able to use this book? What is your hope for this book?
5: Oh, I think, you know, I like to see people use it personally for their own information, edification, but I can yeah. also see... Teachers use a book like this, okay, um, and you know the articles are short. They're based on a kind of weekly column that I write, so they're maybe nine hundred uh-huh. words, maybe a thousand words. They're short,
4: mm-hmm.
5: so I could see a class, let's say, of high school students that could read through. I think most of them could understand these uh, essays. Or right. you know, say in a, in a university setting, read one of these essays and make that the basis for your uh, class discussion. Right, they're short enough. They're they're based upon things in the contemporary culture that most people would know. Um, so instead of just beginning, let's say, with a, a one of the complex texts of the tradition, begin with this, mm-hmm. and um, you know, use that as the basis of a conversation. So I hope I hope teachers, catechists, um, adult education uh, leaders could use a book like this.
0: Absolutely, and homilists, too. yeah, real, homilist, yeah, yeah absolutely. real practical applications. Okay, so I'm very excited about this book, and I hope that our listeners have, have heard enough that they will be excited, too, and they can go... And, uh, and get their own copies. You rem- you've reminded me of this great quote by John Paul II, the God- that the gospel lives in conversation with culture. And mm-hmm. if the church holds back from culture, the gospel itself falls silent. And yeah, uh, that, right. that is so, uh, we shouldn't be afraid of, of culture. Um, thank you so much for writing the book and for sharing a little bit of, about it with us today, Father.
5: You're quite welcome. God bless you.
0: Father Robert Barron is an author, speaker, and theologian. He's also the rector at Mundelein Seminary and the founder of Word on Fire, a global Catholic media ministry. Father Barron is also the creator and host of the Catholicism series. His latest book, Seeds of the Word Finding God in the Culture, is published by Word on Fire. You can learn more at their website, wordonfire.org. Here now is our featured artist of the week, The Leahy's, with A Love Never Known from their album, Lakefield.
4: A love never known as cold. to me
0: was Leahy with A Love Never Known from their album Lakefield. I first heard that song when I booked Canadian folk group Leahy to play at World Youth Day 2002 in Toronto some 13 years ago. The Leahy family has been performing since the family was even complete. There are 11 brothers and sisters, and when I met them, nine of them performed under the banner Leahy. Over the years, as siblings come and go and pursue other interests and start their own families, they have performed under different configurations. And now they are back with a new project, The Lahys in Song. And here is an excerpt of a conversation I had earlier this week with three of the Leahy sisters, Denise, Maria, and Erin. So you grew up on a farm, no TV, mm-hmm. 11 brothers and sisters... At some point, there were 11 of you. Maria, what was it like growing up in the Leahy family?
6: Uh, It was great. It was exciting. It it was. It was exciting. (laughs) It was stimulating. It was busy. (laughs) It was, uh, yeah, there was always a lot going on. And uh, of course, we were playing a lot of music. We played a lot of sports. Um, We grew up on a farm. And so, so did you have
0: to work? Did you have chores on the farm?
6: Working was yeah that was a big deal. Like every day there was work to do. Uh, the boys, the guys, you know, spent a lot of time outside on the farm. But the girls did Absolutely. things as well. Do you have to oh. go and milk? milk
0: no, no, we, not we like the no, farm.
6: It, that wasn't our type of farm. We were a beef cattle. Okay, farm. okay. Um, but oh, girls, guys, every pair of hands had a job to do.
0: Okay, and so music. I mean, obviously, it was a musical household. Um, your parents are musicians, I, I presume. Yes were they professional musicians or just kinda like Denise were they? Yeah,
6: no they were. It's actually quite interesting because were they professional mu- musicians? Yeah. They did music their whole life, lives and like it started for them as well as young people in their families, what did you do for social? You played music, whether it was through your community or church okay. or whatever. Yeah. When mom and dad got married they carried on and they had their band, their orchestra that they played constantly, and this is when we were little ones coming along. Mm-hmm. Mom and Dad were always out and playing, so it was just the, the, the way it was. It was the environment. But did, you have
0: to, did you have to do piano lessons, and like, was that part of the, you, you ought to go to school and, and study math, so you better study music <laughs> too? It,
6: it wasn't that way so much. Um, Mom and Dad created a musical environment, so we grew up you know, listening to music and knowing music before we started to take lessons. Um, and so there was probably an interest and curiosity that was fostered before the lessons started, Right. but then Mom and Dad, yes, they, they encouraged us to, to take lessons yeah. and set lessons up, and so eventually, yes, we did take lessons. So
0: Erin and your parents, so what do they they play?
6: Mom plays piano, yeah. and she was a singer, she is a singer, and step dancer, and Dad plays fiddle.
0: Lots of music in the house, um, also lots of faith. Denise, can you tell me what, what it was like
4: in oh, terms absolutely. of faith? absolutely.
6: And you know, it's interesting to reflect on that now as an adult, as a parent, I know myself now, in that our faith was uh, just always so present and always there, even though sometimes as kids you weren't always paying attention in the sense. Um, Our uncle Father Leo, my dad's brother was a priest, priest. yes, and uh, he's passed away now, but from a very young age, he was like part of the family. We were always close by, and the amount of time we spent with Father Leo was just, um, I'm so grateful for. Yeah. Um, with mom and dad, the faith was the most important thing in the house, but it wasn't, uh, like it, it was just the layers were there, the depth was there, the prayer was there, and I just can't imagine our lives today, like especially with the industry that we're in and whatnot. Without that,
0: so but w- so so it sounds like what you're saying is that it was just normal.
6: Oh, very mm-hmm. normal. It was
0: normal, and but not just going to church on Sunday. It was sort of day to day.
6: But 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 faith being in normal things and not normal things, there is no de- separation. Yeah, yeah. You if you're on a soccer team, you approach it with decency and faith. Yeah, your I faith um, forms your attitude. Toward playing soccer, your faith forms your attitude toward going right. out for pizza with people. Right. Your faith form and it is the foundation how you handle whatever your situation is in life that you find yourself in. And I know for us, mom and dad didn't tuck us away to only be in certain situations. Uh-huh. They exposed us to the world, and whatever came to us, we had. I thank God the tools to handle whatever came.
0: Interesting. Okay, you weren't homeschooled, were you? No. No. Okay interesting um so you have a new project mm-hmm. the layhees and song five sisters one brother what what's what's that all about who should i ask <laughs> <laughs> who's the instigator oh well, that's a funny
6: question who is the instigator it's not even the instigator over the years as as you mentioned that with a family our size and from starting at this age and growing up. You go through all kinds of stages and phases and what have you. And we looked at each other and said, why, we have never done this. We have never taken this, as as we say, take the spotlight and shine it on the vocal side of our life. Our mom um, sang As a young girl, like, and it would be in her church or it would be at the concerts, the local concerts, and singing was a a really significant part of her life. I think when she had all of us, there wasn't, she didn't give as much time to her Mm -hmm. singing. So um, we just kind of all said, this is something that we've never done before, we need to do this. And that is the motivation, I think. And so as a result, though, too, you start to look at over the years the bank of material that um, was sitting there and never brought to the mm-hmm. surface. And so we really want to do this together. So it's mostly
0: songs that you've written, not so much the fiddling and the step dancing, although there's a little bit of that. A little
6: bit of that, and there always will be, like that, it's in our bones, mm-hmm. yes. like it's, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, but at, as um, was mentioned earlier, we have listened to so many different types of music and are influenced by them. and And so our songwriting can Cover a wide yeah.
0: range, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and lots of beautiful harmonies, as we just heard. Um, one last song that you you co-wrote, "Friend." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe Denise, tell me about that song.
6: That song, it's it, it it This was one of the songs where it starts in one country, and you take it to another city, and another part gets written, and it kind of okay. evolved that way. And we all um, collaborated on the writing of this song. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously a reflection on friend and friendship and the meaning of that. That's lyrically what it's about. And it was from a television show. It was a tribute show to, was it to BB King or something? Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder was singing a song. And, and his comment was, I'm right here with your friend. Mm-hmm. And I went, "Ah, oh, that's beautiful. And so then I bounced it off of these ladies. And all of a sudden, it came back in a form. Like, and it's just the way it happened. And so this is a I I love this song. I really do. It's meaningful to me.
0: That was an excerpt of a conversation I had with Denise, Maria, and Aaron Leahy. You can learn more about them at their website, thelehis.ca. And to watch my full conversation with Maria, Denise, and Aaron, go to saltandlighttv.org/catholicfocus. If you're in the Toronto area, you can watch the Leahys in song this coming Tuesday, April 28, at Kerner Hall at the Royal Conservatory of Music. This concert is a benefit for Salt and Light, so I hope that you can all come. When you come, please look for me and come and say hello. For tickets and information, go to saltandlighttv.org slash Leahys. Here now are Denise, Maria, and Aaron Leahy with a song that they performed in studio for us, Friend.
4: and brothers nor we
0: listening to the Leahy's with Friend, a song that they will perform at Kerner Hall for a Salton Light Benefit concert this coming Tuesday, April 28 Get more information at SaltonLightTV.org slash Leahy's And that will bring us to the end of the program this week. Remember that if you missed any part of the program, you can stream or podcast all our Salton Light hour programs at SaltonlightTV.org slash radio. That's also where we post links to our artists or guests. You can also listen to the Salt and Light Hour as well as watch many Salt and Light TV programs now on Roku. To find out how to get Salt and Light on your Roku, go to saltandlighttv.org slash Roku. And a special thanks to the Institute of Pastoral Studies at Loyola University for co-sponsoring this program. You can find out about Loyola University's graduate programs that combine Loyola's Jesuit values with the skills to use all digital platforms, for evangelization at luc.edu slash ips remember to like us on facebook and stay tuned on what's happening on this program and behind the scenes by following me on facebook deacon pedro you can also follow me on twitter at deacon pedro gm and as i said earlier check out our new cool app on our website that allows you to send a direct voice message it is very cool SaltonlightTV.org slash radio thank you for listening May you continue having a blessed Easter season. I'm Deacon Pedro and this has been The Salt and Light
4: Hour. rain I'll be right